Hi, this is Mike Rockwood. This is Roy Thomas, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Well, greetings, Cap fans. It is episode 176 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm Rick Verbonis. I'm the host of this show, and I got to tell you, I've got the best gosh darn co-host. His name is Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. I am stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid stuck on me. I am stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid stuck on me. Because they hold on tight no matter what on fingers, toes, and knees. I am stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid... Help me heal. Wow. I haven't heard that in forever, Rick. I know, right? Yeah. Love it. You know what? Yeah. I, the one thing I can say about Band-Aids is they have excellent adhesive. They do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah almost like something that's going to happen in this episode, Bob. Yeah. Right? Ah, you caught on why I, why I picked this one? I did. I did. Very clever. Yeah. Very clever indeed. Yeah. 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 Now is the, is, is the song stuck in your head? It really is. Yeah. 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 You know what song, what song was stuck in my head earlier this week? I even called my wife and said, this song is stuck in my head. I've been listening. I, I heard it like yesterday afternoon on my drive uh -huh. home. <clears throat> I haven't been able to stop. It's uh, it's uh, Afternoon Delight. Afternoon Delight. <laughs> All right. We got to get to that in a second. <laughs> but but before we do, yeah. uh, getting back to the, the Johnson & Johnson Band-Aid jingle, okay, came out in 1975. Do you know who wrote it? I have no idea who wrote that. Well, I'm going to give you a hint. He writes the songs that make the whole world sing. You're kidding me. I am not. Barry wrote that? Barry Manilow wrote that I'll jingle. Be darned. I know. So uh, I was actually, I was like, what am I going to do to come up with a new hello for you? And then I was thinking about what happens to Baron Zemo and he gets stuck. And then as soon as I said stuck in my head, it was like a stuck on me. And I was like, wait a minute, there's more to that. What, what, what it suck, 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 mommy, suck. And I'm like going through my head, yeah, I'm doing the jingle. Yeah. And then I asked my wife about it. And she goes, oh yeah, that's like, um, uh, stuck on me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she goes, oh, that's, that's Band-Aid. Cause she used to work for J&J &J back in the day. Okay. And I was like, ah, and then, and I was like, oh, how's that jingle go? She goes, oh, well just, just ask. Google, you know, we have a Google home, just ask Google to play and, um, you know, uh, ask it to play the, the Band-Aid uh, jingle. So I said, hey, Google, can you play uh, Band-Aid, the old Band-Aid commercial? And of course, they played the song, uh, Do They Know It's Christmas uh, <laughs> <laughs> by the band Band-Aid. Uh, and and yeah. I was like, no, that's not it. So then I started looking up uh, old YouTube commercials. Now, get this, Bob. You ready? 1975. The commercial had two very, very young actor and actress in it before they made it big. I have Terry, no idea. Terry Gar. Okay. Yeah. She she was like some sort of like, I don't know, police officer, meter maid or whatever. She was, you know, and she had a little lunar uniform on and, you know, she was putting band-aids on her her heels because, you know, whatever. She was very young. And 
and then in the boys sh- like locker room shower because uh-huh. you know because it was like oh if even it gets wet you know it still sticks yeah, right. uh john travolta really yeah wow i know I so there you go idea. barry manilow terry gar john travolta all in one intro yeah wow impressive impressive all right so so go on with your afternoon delight and tell me uh, your amazing story behind it yeah, you know, no, I, you know, I, you know, I listen to uh, '70s on seven and '80s on eight. And I also know you listen to Bob FM. I do. I listen to that, but I've been really like leaning heavily into uh, to my Sirius XM since I. I Bob, they don't stuff. pay us, so uh, you can just say your <laughs> digital radio <laughs> server. Okay, my yeah, my my satellite radio uh, uh-huh. thingy, uh-huh. and uh, and I listen to I like to listen to the '70s because it reminds me of when I was a young boy driving True. around in the family station wagon and mm-hmm. uh, with no seatbelt and with no seatbelt, yeah. Um, and afternoon delight comes on every afternoon, and so mm-hmm. uh, it came on, of course, like Friday, uh, mm-hmm. Friday afternoon, my way home, and I could not get it out of my head all weekend long. And despite me singing it out loud uh, all weekend long, uh, she would not relent. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, maybe I was out of tune. I don't know. Uh, uh, I When I hear that song, I think of TV show Arrested Development. Uh-huh. And I don't know if it was season one, season two. Um, you never watch a show, right? But right. Yeah. you got to watch a show. And you have to watch it from the beginning. All-star cast all-star writers absolutely amazing acting but the writing is incredible it's got you know my dry sense of humor just it's just whatever and uh there's a scene um where they're uh talking about afternoon delight and they're like oh it's stuck in my head you know afternoon delight right and then there goes a point where um the aunt and the nephew uh get up um, to do like karaoke and yeah. the two of them start singing it yeah. and then they start realizing what the song's about <laughs> and they're looking at each other <laughs> i wonder like you know the words are pretty descriptive right yeah, and, they uh, are. Yeah, it's pretty, you know yeah. and they're just like uh 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 <laughs> oh it's such a funny episode oh goodness i'll have to check that out it's one of my yeah. favorite songs what's yeah. new with you this week bob Gosh, what is new, Rick? Uh, oh yeah, uh, I had a little bit of, uh, I had a little dilemma. Not a dilemma. I had uh, a tragedy. Uh, you know, Ooh, uh, I'm I so have, sorry to hear. What, y- yeah, hold on, you have my full attention. Thank you. I have the same uh, Captain America um, Marvel licensed ring from Groove Life. You know, those silicone rings. Bob, they don't pay us either. Yeah, I know. I know they should. Doggone it! But they don't have the license anymore, apparently, Rick. Because what? You know, they had, yeah, so this company has a lifetime warranty on their silicone rings, and I've used it before. Um, the ring splits after a while, and I don't know why. I don't know. Happen. I've had mine for a little while. It's yeah. No problems on my end. Mine lasts for, I don't know, they last me about a year, year and a half or something. And maybe it, maybe my fingers just get fat and um, you know split the silicone, but I don't know. So normally what I would do is I'd get well, on maybe you pop- just had one. You just had a bum ring. Well, it's happened twice. So what the hell are you doing to your rings, Bob? Yeah, I'm like, I got like a Hulk finger, I guess. When I get angry, it just expands and it splits my ring. But they have a good warranty program. So, you know, the first time I wrote them back and I said, hey, it's split. And they're like, no problem. We'll put another one in the mail. 
good to go. Got it. Wore that one for like a year, year and a half. And then now this one, uh, same thing happens, but they don't, they don't make them anymore. They no longer have the license. Uh So I had to get something else. But now, of course, as you know, I buy things in two. So the first one, I I got two of these. Of course you did, Bob. A backup squirreled away. Uh Um, So the ones that I have been replacing were the the second ring of the set. So I do have one just in case, you know, if, if I need to be buried, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah you know so you're something. never going to wear this backup ring now that you've split two of them like <laughs> the backup not. ring it is literally yeah. the yeah. job that is meant to do is to be there in yeah. case you 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 need to wear it because the other ones don't work it's not if if, if you don't wear it bob it is not technically a backup mm-hmm. ring right. it is and it is a collectible decoration right if i don't wear it the terrorists win i think that's what you're saying I'm still waiting for the tragedy. <laughs> well, that's a tragedy for me, but I want to, I want to, I want to learn. You I want, are throwing I, I, around a word here. Yeah, I'm well, going to, I'm pumping the brakes, my friend. Well, tragedy. I love like, this ring. I show it off all the time. You had my full attention. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought there was going to be something wrong going on. And uh, you're, you're telling me you split a silicone ring yeah. that you have a backup for. But here's the thing. And here's, I, it's a tragedy. I don't want my tragedy. I want my tragedy to be a benefit for other people. And so I want to encourage you. And I know others have similar sorts of rings uh, in, in, in the Captain America comic book uh, Facebook group uh, to uh, maybe uh, get some silicone conditioner. I'm, I'm wondering if like this got a little bit rigid, maybe it's shampoo or whatever, you know, but I wonder if there's something out I there. I don't have to worry about shampoo. <laughs> Maybe that's why mine works so well. Maybe why yours is in such pristine condition. But, but I, I wonder if like there's something to keep this uh, more. Uh, what's the you know flexible, supple, supple, right? Something to keep it more supple so they they last I, longer. There's a word I never thought we'd use in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. <there you> go. <laughs> Welcome to Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about suppleness today. Yeah, supple is it's important to be remain supple. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, lesson learned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next time you tell me you have a tragedy, I'm going to be like, boy, <laughs> cried wolf. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're How's like, your no, week going, Rick? Uh, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm busy working. I, uh, I, I do, um, you know, I, I, I maxed out my original art. Back yeah. at the end of January right? yeah. for the year. Yeah. Um, so I'm in the process now of like trying to sell or trade some things uh, because inevitably I get, you know, that little email that pops up in the morning, uh-huh. you know, like uh-huh. here's a list of things we crawled the internet for. <laughs> here's your keywords that you're looking for. Damn you AI. And I'm like, uh, please don't be something I want. Please don't be something I want. <laughs> and sure enough, Mm-hmm. There is a, a guy who listed two things that I want. One very, very, very much. And I reached out to him in November. I have made him an offer, above market offer, to try to like pry it from his hands. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, you know, not really. And then he went this week and he listed it just to see what offers he can get. I'm still, I as far as I know, the highest offer. Um, so he may, he may sell it to me or he may just say, you know, it's still not enough and I'm just going to hold on to it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so I'm like, 
okay, what do I need to sell? Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, good luck with that, I think. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not sure which way I should go with you on that one. <laughs> I know. You, yeah. You know, it's I'm torn. Yeah. You, you and me both, my friend. <laughs> um, so, Bobby got uh, a birthday this week. Um, so, this episode is coming out February 21st. Um, later in the week, on February 27th, is a longtime legendary artist, Andy Kubert. Now, Andy Kubert... Um, a lot of people associate it with his family, right? His dad was Joe Kubert, who, who opened up the Joe Kubert School of Illustration. And uh, he was a longtime artist. Uh, I think he was really well known for Sergeant Rock and things like that. Um, and then he has a brother, Adam Kubert, who is really well known for doing like Wolverine and some other things. Uh, but Andy, uh, he he actually did, um, he did like 19 issues uh, over the course of two years uh, from 1998 and 2000. So that was the volume three. He he basically replaced Ron Garney on the, the Captain America volume three and uh, would love to have him on the show uh, at some point. Uh, we did have Ron Garney on the show. We asked him how, how that went down. And then we asked Mark Wade how also when he was on the show, Mark was like, hey, Andy, Andy says what book he wants to be on that's the book you put him on, you know, like, you know, yeah, back, back yeah. in the day, he, he called the shot. So, um, interesting, but happy birthday to, to Andy Cooper. Indeed. Happy birthday, Andy. You know, Bob, we got some exciting news for upcoming episodes. So, um, listeners, make sure you stick around a after we get done reviewing the comic at the end of this episode, we're going to talk about the next two episodes because uh i am very excited to to get into this i think i think the listeners will be too bob all right there's reason enough right there to stick around should we get to today's comic bob because i gotta tell you uh this was a comic that you've been pushing for for a couple of years now and uh it wasn't high on my list to do um and i uh i i was like I'll take one for the team here and let's, let's go ahead and do this comic. Oh, that surprises me, you know, because uh, it's got Roy Thomas. Yeah. It's uh, it's got history woven through it. Yeah. Whoop and woof. And I know, mm -hmm. you know, what a big fan you are of history. Um, oh yeah. It's, it's got romance. Right. Let's talk about the romance real quick. Yeah. Right. So uh, this is a week after Valentine's Day. Uh huh. But uh, a year ago, Valentine's Day, we did the top 10 Captain America love interests. That's right. And uh, it was a, uh, a really fun episode. Right. We. Yeah. Uh, there was episode one, two, three. So not, not very easy to remember. Uh, yeah. And uh, top 10 love interests. And then we we had some. Uh, those who didn't make the top 10, but honorable mentions. Yeah. And uh, you nominated uh, a character from this particular story. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I never read the story and I was yeah. like, are you sure? And now I've read the story and I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> I don't know why you nominated her, but. <laughs> 
hey, you know, he got he got further with Hilda than than with most people. So I don't know how to take that. <laughs> Are you saying he got further with Hilda than most people get further with Hilda, or he hmm. got further with Hilda than he does with most people? I, I think on both accounts that would be true. I mean, that's I, like saying you get further with Casey than most people. I mean, yeah, because well, see how statistics can be warped, Rick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can you can do anything you want with statistics. Yeah, more with Hilda apparently. Oh, oh. <laughs> all right, Bob. So let's get to this comic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So today we're covering Captain America, the Medusa effect. I say effect because it has an E, not an A. So it's an effect, not an effect. Bob, do you ever struggle with when to use one and when to use the other? Um, no. All right. What's the rule of thumb? Well, when you, you know, use effect or when you use effect? You know what? I, I think when I, I use affect as in, uh, uh, as in like uh, effective. Right, uh -huh. a F F E C, which deals with emotional states and mental states and, and things like that. So affect, in like anyway, in 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 the research that I've done in my education and stuff, has to do with like physical responses to emotional stimuli or emotional mm -hmm. emotional responses. So, you know, to be affected, affected by something would be like internal, whereas to cause an effect is sort of an external impact or a consequence of an action. I don't know if that's true, but I like it. <laughs> it sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. All okay. right. Fair enough. Yeah. So this is a uh, the Medusa effect. Yeah. Because uh, it's external. E for external. And uh, there you go. There you go, listeners. You just you just learned something today. Yeah. We yeah. learned you. I'm sure we'll see some comments. Mm. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, so this had a release date of January 25th, 1994, cover date of March, 1994. Uh, I, this was a, a comic that I think was probably just went into comic stores. I don't, I don't think this would be like a newsstand personally. Mm. Um, everything I've seen has like a direct edition, but I could be wrong, but there are no ads inside the comic. I mean, there's, there's a total of three ads. Inside the front cover and inside and outside of the back cover. Mm -hmm. And all three of them are from Marvel. So nobody paid 
to or help support you know this particular comic now it had a, a cover price of 295 uh which is pretty pricey back in 1994 but it is like 60 some pages so it's probably equivalent equivalent of like you know three comics yeah 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 it's definitely uh you know it's definitely a big format book right i mean it's thick mm-hmm. and a lot of pages and like, like it's it on glossy like a, paper yeah read, it reads like a graphic novel yeah it does uh it was written by roy thomas as you had mentioned earlier now the artists in here we have a few different artists so we have two pencilers two inkers so uh i think you know for timing purposes this book maybe you know needed some help uh rich buckler is listed as the first artist and then our penciler and then mc wyman as the second penciler he also does the cover inkers jim sanders the third and andrew papoy colorist george rossos letterer clem robbins Editor Mike Rockowitz and Ralph Macchio. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Wax off. Uh, now we've had both Roy and Mike on the show, and uh, Mike uh, was a, was a real fun. Uh, I guess, no holds barred interview. Uh, Mike was uh, an editor for for Marvel in, in the 90s, and uh, he's seen a lot. And um, he, I got to tell you, check out episode 56 with Mike Rockowitz. Um, he's a he's a really entertaining guy. Um, again, told some great stories behind the stories. So I, I recommend checking that out. And then for episode 125, we had... Uh, Roy Thomas himself on, on the show. So highly recommend you check that out too. Roy Roy told some really cool stories. He sure did. Yeah. I mean, we covered a lot of ground with Roy uh, going back to the 40s and all the way up through his career. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the uh, the creators on the book. And then, Bob, you want to take us through the, the cover, which is by MC Wyman and Romeo Tangle? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on on this cover, Rick, as you know. So Captain America and the Medusa effect uh, text is up in the upper right-hand corner. And in the center of the book, we see uh, we see Captain America basically hand-to-hand struggling with uh, William Lomer, the master man. Mm-hmm. Uh, up in the upper right-hand corner, we see Baron Heinrich Zemo giving his best Nazi salute. Uh, and then on the bottom right-hand corner, we see a bunch of Nazi soldiers running around, some stormtroopers. We got uh, a, a profile of Bucky in the lower left-hand corner, and then we see a big, uh, a big front shot of of Cap's uh, face um, from the neck up, uh, occupying the upper left uh, part of the book. So a lot going on here, a lot of visual stimulation, but it gives you a sense of uh, of the characters you're going to see in this book. Uh, and uh, who the who the protagonists and who the who the antagonists are. So let's get to the copy now. I I, I have here Bob my hard copy, and uh, as you can see, it is okay. autographed by Roy Thomas. It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I met Roy, uh, I this was the only book I got him to sign. You would think, oh why, why would you do that? There are so many amazing books. That he could actually, maybe I think about it, maybe he signed Invaders number one, too. So two books, but there's so many amazing books that he could assign. Why this one? Yeah. Because I, I think, I, I don't know. It was one of those, it was like, I don't, what can I do to make this somewhat valuable, likable? <laughs> 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 
Wow. Uh, so, ever right. tell you the story about when I met Stan Lee and what book I got him to sign? <laughs> no, you haven't. Okay. I want to hear this story. So, back in the day when I owned my comic book store, I was going to a show and Stan Lee was going to be a guest there signing. So, this is like 15, 18 years ago. Okay. And I had some books that were uh, in the store that were just not selling. And I decided I could have brought Captain America 100. I could have brought uh, any key. Yeah. I could have brought, um, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Incredible Hulk. I mean, like, you name it. Yeah. No, Bob. No. The one comic I brought him to sign was Ravage 2099, number one. <laughs> the gold, the gold, uh, you know, uh, what do you, chromium book? Yes. Yeah. Right? With Ravage 2099. Because it was like the first new character that he had created. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I thought, okay, well... It's it's a it's a first appearance of a character that Stan Lee created. Yeah. And I have it's just sitting here. No one's buying it. Maybe if I get Stan to sign it, I'll be able to sell it. <laughs> that was my reasoning, Bob. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now, I wasn't thinking like a fan. Yeah. I wasn't thinking like a collector. I was thinking right. like a comic book shop business sure. owner. Yeah. What can I do to move product? Yeah. I know. I think that was same thought went in my head when I got Roy Thomas to sign. Yeah. This. All right. Okay. Did that? Did you sell that book, the Stanley book? I did. I have a picture of him holding it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then I made my own little uh, certificates of authenticity. Uh huh. Uh, you know, because I had other signed books in the store. Yeah. And uh, not that anybody ever cared probably about those certificates. You're sure. like, right. who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I, bet but, I would like to get my whole get hold of one of those official original Rick Rubinus certificates of authenticity. You know, there are a few people who are uh, used to be in the uh, customers of the store who listen to the show. They yeah. uh, maybe they have one. I don't know. I know how to get your hands on one of those mm. limited runs. All right, should we get to the comic? Sure. Yeah. Mm. All right, I am going to point out the uh, when you open this up, the inside ad on the uh, inside cover is a full page uh, splash ad of Daredevil. And it's when he was wearing the black and red costume mm -hmm. with the shoulder pads. And it says, it's a brave new world for the man without fear. Don't miss the hot new look of Marvel's only swashbuckling superhero written by DG Chichester. Well, there you have it. We had DG on the show. Sure did. Episode one forty four. Wow. It's like a greatest hits. It really is. You know. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Uh, has Scott McDaniel was the artist who, by the way, is a member of our Captain America comic book fans Facebook group. You don't say. Uh, I just did. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So then uh, inside uh, the 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 opening splash page, uh, I'm really disappointed with this. The the trade dress on this is so blah. You know, it's like an image of Captain America with Bucky with a flag behind him with some clouds. And, you know, it, it was done by I, uh, MC Wyman and Romeo Tangle, the guys who did the cover. 
it might have probably even have been like the cover for this book. And then they were like, mm, no, we want a different cover. And so they like, don't scrap this. We'll use this as like the opening. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, it's the only two times the, the two of them, you know, are together and it's, you know, it's an okay nineties type of image. It is definitely nineties. Yeah. But the rest of this is so blah, you know, it's just, it's blue. Yeah. With like white type on it. Yeah. Like there's no design element to it. Like no mm -hmm. one put any effort into it whatsoever. Yeah. It's very uh, utilitarian, right? I mean, like nondescript here. It's just practical. And there's no aesthetic value beyond that, that image you just talked about. Yep. But right away, the cover in this front tells you this is not a current story. This takes place in WW2. Now, Bob, I was thinking about this. Uh -huh. uh, we've got um, Captain America and Bucky in the middle of the night, running over rooftops, doing acrobatics. Um, and then the first four pages, it's like listening to a radio program. Right? right. Yeah. Um, which kind of sets the scene. So I, I like the way Roy set, sets this up. Uh, you know, so you get to to kind of hear what's going on. And and then visually you're you're seeing the action, right? So it's you can almost like it's almost like watching a movie, uh, in a way. Um but I can't do it all by myself, Bob. I uh -huh. need some help here. Do you want to do the radio <laughs> announcer while I describe what's going on, or vice versa? Sure. I'm happy to to do that. I'm Which happy one? to do the radio. I I I I think I, you know, I, I would love to do radio. All right. Can you do your best 40s radio announcer oh, voice? I don't know if I can do that. Uh, you gotta. I, I I don't even know what that would sound like. Can you give me a sample? In his State of the Union address this evening, President Roosevelt said that the Axis powers had realized that they had won the war in the year which ended one week ago. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, can you wow. do something like that? Well, I'll try. I mean, I, that's pretty good. It's hard to top that. <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> in his state of the union address this evening president roosevelt said that the asia powers had realized that they had to win the war in the year which ended one year ago or they would eventually lose the war i do not need to tell you the president went on that our enemies did not win this war in 1942 all right, so we turn the page, but uh, on that first page, as I mentioned before, is the middle of the night, uh, and you see a costumed Bucky and Cap uh, running over the rooftops with Cap leading the way. The president reported that in 1942, the United States produced 48,000 military planes, more than Nazi Germany, Imperial Japan, and fascist Italy combined. The arsenal of democracy, he said, is making good. Now, at this point, it's a really cool move. Uh, Cap is at the edge of a building. He's looking down, and then he does a like a, a backwards flip, and he's still holding on to the edge of the building as he kind of drops in front of a window. And you could see from this angle looking down, uh, as as the parked cars on the street, and he he's easily five or six stories up. It's a really cool angle. Yeah, um, you know to see the cars below him like that. Yeah, you should make this your favorite panel. Mm. Hmm. 
He also cautioned that the United Nations must remain united after the war. Minnesota's Governor Stassen has also proposed that the United Nations continue after war's end as an organization with a single house parliament and with representation, representation based upon literate populations. Interesting. So Cap uh, is lowering himself quietly into an open window, and then you see a rope trickle down behind him. And then next page, you see Cap's in the room, and uh, Bucky is uh, repelling down, uh, and he's lowering himself into the room, and Cap whis- kind of puts his finger to his lips like, be quiet, as they walk closer to a door and then he opens it up a crack to see what's going on in the other room. In other news, the Office of Price Administration has banned all non-essential automobile driving for the duration of the war. Cited as reasons for the ban were the lack of oil tankers and the new military demands of the North African campaign. On the Eastern Front, the Russians have recaptured 16 more towns as they converge on the German-held city of Rostov. The major airbase supplying Nazi troops in Stalingrad has already fallen to the Red Army. So at this point, uh, I guess maybe the door made a little bit of a noise because there's three Germans. We, we're, 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 we're led to believe Germans, right? Because of the what they're wearing and wearing uh, holding a German Luger. <clears throat> And then, yeah, I think that one guy is from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, isn't he? Totally, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because uh, he's got the, the little trench coat on and then those glasses, those little round gla- John Lennon type glasses. Is das? And so he uh, he gets his gun and starts going towards the the opened door. Meanwhile, Allied bombers have sunk two Japanese troop troop transports and downed 18 fighter planes off New Guinea. United Nations aircraft have also bombed two Axis-held cities in Tunisia and Palermo Harbor on the island of Sicily. And so um, Cap goes behind this this German guy and puts his hand over his mouth and uh, and then Bucky at the same time takes away the gun out of his hand, but he says, "Akte Helgar Schreck," and Cap just punches him. What he say, Cap? Does it really matter? And he hits him. In Burma, the 14th Indian Division continues its renewed offensive against dug-in Japanese positions. And then uh, so Cap then opens up the door, holds up the shield. He sees the two uh, Germans. Was? Hauptmann America. The name, Razzis, is Captain America. And he goes and he just knocks them down. Not Hopton, not even Capitan. It's Captain. And he hits him really hard with his shield. And it makes a loud noise, Bob. And then Bucky knocks out the other one with a punch. And how come Cap's faithful psychic Bucky doesn't rate so much as a mention? What am I, the invisible man? And here at home, a dream finally came true for singer Marian Anderson. 
Tonight, January 7th, 1943, the world-famous Contralo finally sang at Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C. Four years ago, she was denied permission to perform there by the organization which owns the Hall of... Because she is a Negro. And then uh, Bucky's like, well, that takes care of... Cap, smoke! Stand back, partner. And he goes through the door. And uh, on the other side... Uh, the whole room is on fire in somebody's bedroom. Verdammt! You know, you Nazis have been at war with America for more than a year now. Don't you think it's time they sent over a few saboteurs who could speak English and stand away from the man in that bed? And uh, Cap goes up and he punches the man who's wearing a trench coat and has a fedora hat on and he's holding a few books like a journal in his hand. Or is this the only international language you understand? And uh, he punches it. And the person says, But underhand, does you really think that puny blow would hurt me? Masterman, back in America? Now, Bob, do you want to describe who Masterman is? Yeah, Masterman is was intended to be anyway a uh, facsimile of Captain America created by the Nazis, right? And so William Lomer, who is actually an American from, from New York, a, a member of the American-German Bund, uh, who was the who was the guy? Uh, brain Drain or something, wasn't it? That, um, that, anyway, figured out how to steal part of the recipe to the, the, the super soldier serum and, and gave the Nazis an opportunity to inject that in, in William Lomer. And he became master man, this somewhat copy of captain America, but he is, he is Nazi through and through with his short cropped blonde uh, hair in a flat top. He's got uh, a, uh, a dark blue, sometimes uh, depicted as black uh, bodysuit on with yellow boots and yellow gauntlets and a yellow belt with a big old swastika in black on a red background on his mm-hmm. chest. <clears throat> and he um, he is there in a room uh, and there's a looks like an old man laying in bed uh by himself and uh he goes uh then masterman goes up and he kicks cap's shield which makes a loud noise bob now at last you realize your error why shouldn't i speak english as well as you do after all i am as american as you are and there's uh flames all around them and the radio continues and and by the way this whole time, the radio has been in this bedroom. So the old man has been listening to this radio, and that's where this is coming from. American Jewish leaders continue to deplore what they call a lack of United Nations commitment to help Jews in the Nazi-occupied countries, even after the Allied Declaration of December 17th, which stated there was a Nazi plan to, quote, exterminate the Jewish people in Europe, unquote. And so... Masterman punches Cap pretty strong, and, and he is much, much, much stronger than Cap. So that had to hurt, and he's laying down. Another time I'd stay and finish you off, but tonight I have what I want, and compared to that, you mean even less to me than the old man's pigeons. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. That's what I said. 
and he goes out the window. He makes a loud crash and everything. And um, Bucky yells, Cap, I'm all right, Bucky. He just caught me off guard. Help me get rid of these blazing curtains. You're going to be all right, Dr. Tesla. Renewed fighting is reported in Yugoslavia between two factions of the anti-Nazi resistance. The Chetnik troops under the Serbian colonel Draza Marhalovic and the partisans led by Josip Brostito, a Croatian, they... Click. I guess uh, Bucky turned off the radio finally. <laughs> Thank God I was getting annoyed by that voice. <laughs> So, Just let me turn off my, the... so, by the way, are my, we're my family. <laughs> Just let me turn off this radio so we can... What's wrong, sir? This terrible war. Serbs, Croats, my countrymen, fighting each other. Madness. It's the Nazis. We must fight. My invention destroys airplanes. Great distance. Secret was in the box over there. He's gone, Cap. Maybe it's just as well he died not knowing a Nazi made off with the box he was trying to point at, huh? If that's what he was doing with. Or he might have wanted us to see this letter. It's signed by one Janice Dare. Say, who was this poor old guy, Cap? When the FBI asked us to rush to the Hotel New Yorker, I... I didn't recognize the name. What? Oh, sorry, Bucky. Guess a kid your age can't be expected to know much about Dr. Tesla. Nikola Tesla is, was, one of the greatest scientific geniuses that ever came down the pike. And before we get to that, Bob, you want to read the letter that uh, was written that Cap came across? Uh... Uh, I, I, uh, my eyes aren't that good, Rick. <laughs> well, it's you're on digital. You can zoom in, can't you? I know, but it's still, I, I mean, I only get like that. Do uh, you want me to read what's what exists here of the letter? Yeah, I, the I think it's pertinent to the yeah. story, don't you? All right, okay. So the so the letter here, Rick, is uh, is addressed to Dr. Tesla from the Hotel Ritz in Madrid, and it's dated December 3rd, 1949. And it begins, my dear Dr. Tesla, you will not remember me, but I am writing to tell you that your life and your secrets are in grave danger. Hmm. Turn the page, and we have a big splash page devoted to Dr. Tesla. Every time you switch on a light, you use the alternating current he invented. And some people argue that he, more than Marconi, was the true father of radio. Around 1900, his reputation was so great that when he said it was possible to split the earth like an apple by applying the principle of mechanical resonance, plenty of folks believed him. And why shouldn't they have? Two years earlier, he accidentally caused a minor earthquake in New York City with a device called an electromechanical oscillator. He designed radio-controlled robot ships and subs. And some people think that if he hadn't run out of money, his infamous Hardicliffe Tower 
on Long Island could have transmitted radio waves across the Atlantic, he was working on rays of what he called teleforce, which could make cities safe from enemy bombers by knocking them out of the sky. So that's what he thought was in the box Masterman took. Geez, I sure hope his teleforce rays turn out to be just a pipe dream. You and me both. Kind of gamey in here, huh? All these pigeons. An obsession of his, I'm told. The hotels looked the other way for the last 10 years because of Tesla's past reputation. Anyway, we've got to get back to Agent Winsel. If Tesla died, we were to let him be discovered in the morning by the maid. Come on, Cap. Birds should be free, lad. As free as Nikola Tesla's soul. And he opens up the pigeon cage. And the pigeons go off into the the dawning sky as as it starts to be lit from the oncoming sun. Uh, hey, Bob. So Nikola Tesla was a real dude. He was a real dude. And he really did die in that room, Rick. Yeah. And, and now, uh, you know, like Roy Thomas wanted to like kind of give us a little a history lesson 50 years later. He sure did. Yeah. I really don't think uh, he would have been found by the maid. I would have think all that fighting and uh, and the smoke and everything uh, would have mm -hmm. brought to somebody's attention, don't you think? Yeah, I don't know. Unless they were better, you know. Who knows? You know, he occupied two rooms in the New Yorker Hotel, Rick, <clears throat> and he was he was discovered by the maid. So I don't know. It does accord with history. So. I guess so. Well, the next four pages. <clears throat> are um, done in black and white, actually five pages, and they're done in black and white uh, as, a, as a newsreel. And Bob, since you did the voice so well uh, before on the radio, I, I think you can capture this, uh, this news voice for the, for the TV. Of course, it has to be a different voice, Bob, but I'm, you're, I'm sure you can handle it. Well, no, I can't, Rick. Uh, it will be the same exact voice now that I know that it annoys you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's fair to point out uh, before we do this that these five pages are, are basically retelling what Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos, issue number eight from July 64, and, and later Zemo's appearance in, I think, Avengers number six from May 1964. So a little, little bit of backstory that we're seeing here. I think that's really, really... Uh swell of you to point at bob yeah. it's almost like you're a little editor's note <laughs> very little editor in early 1942 rumors that zemo was developing a secret terror weapon what the hell are you reading oh i skipped a page oh my god i jumped ahead look at that all right <laughs> news on the march today <laughs> as the second world war stalks relentlessly down the corridors of its fourth year Nazi scientist Baron Heinrich Zemo is one of the most feared men on Earth. But what are the origins of the mystery-shrouded bulwark of Hitler's Third Reich? Born in the same year as this tormented century, in his family's castle in Bavaria, Heinrich Zemo is remembered as a lonely, moody child. During the First World War, he served in the German army, and like many of his countrymen, felt betrayed when a civilian government in Berlin surrendered to the Allied powers. In the chaotic years between the wars, young Heinrich became an early supporter of Hitler's National Socialists and a member of the Nazis' infamous brown shirts. The future Führer admonished his followers to be fruitful and multiply, 
to provide the fatherland with potential soldiers. So the loyal baron found time for marriage and for fatherhood. 1933, the very year Hitler ascended to power, Zemo's interest in applied technology brought him to the USA, where he conferred with prominent scientists such as Serbian-born Nikola Tesla. By the time the Nazi legions blitzkrieged Poland in 1939, Hitler had evaded. Oh, Hitler had awarded Colonel Zemo the highest scientific honors the Reich had to offer. In early 1942, rumors that Zemo was developing a secret terror weapon sent America's celebrated howling commandos racing to his Bavarian stronghold. So at this point, uh, we see the Zemo uh, in his Nazi gear at the top of uh, some stairs. And uh, we see at the bottom of the of the stairs coming up is uh, Nick Fury and his howling commandos. And uh, Zemo's got some sort of rifle ray gun in his hand, and he's aiming it down towards the, the commandos. If you decadent Schweidhans know any prayers, I suggest you say them quickly. It's Zemo. What kind of gun is he holding? Before I destroy you all, I shall give you a demonstration of my little toy. The weapon which shall burn democracy from the face of the earth. See how easily I disintegrate the stairs beneath your very feet? It's a death ray. Look out, a thing like that could hurt a guy. But when the tide turned, Zemo, like all Nazi bullies, showed his true stripes. Save me from these savages, and I reward you beyond your wildest dreams. Yavo, Dr. Zemo. The Fuhrer has need of your genius. Once the treacherous Baron had escaped, he blew up his own castle in its fanatic fascist defenders by remote control. Only the quick thinking of Sergeant Fury, head of the hard-hitting Howlers, enabled the American to escape in time. The actual photograph recently smuggled out of Germany shows the damage caused to a nearby town by the so-called death ray beams that went wild during the ear-shattering blast. A few days afterward, an American B-17 flew over that devastated town, dropping not bombs, but a veritable snowflower, <laughs> a veritable snowstorm of leaflets. Leaflets which told the people what had really happened to destroy their homes and endanger their families. Soon, Heinrich Zemo became so loathed and despised by his own people that Hitler would have no more to do with him, at least not openly. So then we cut to uh, Zemo, who now has that uh, famous striped purple mask over top of his head. And he's he's yelling uh, at the ceiling as he's looking at his gigantic machinery. I am the most hated man in Europe. But it was worth it to receive Der Fuhrer's rich rewards, even if I must now labor in secret behind the uncomfortable mask until my very features are forgotten by the German people. Wait, what is that sound? Dertenweimer! Captain America! I know about your latest project, Zemo. An adhesive so strong that nothing can tear apart anything it holds together. But I'll never let you make a weapon of it for Hitler. Never. And how does an unarmed man propose to stop me? A shield can be a weapon too, Baron. Don't throw that! No! Captain America's spinning shield struck the vat containing the mysterious adhesive X, shattering it. 
and Baron Zemo's life was changed for all time. The Sentinel of Liberty had accomplished his mission. He had destroyed the Nazis' secret weapon. The pain in my hood, it will not come off. Kill him. Kill Captain America. You have all her, Baron. But the Americana is gone. And so he made his escape from Germany, leaving behind a crazed, vengeance-obsessed Heinrich Zemo, who would now and forever be the man in the Crimson Mask. And then, uh, so who was watching this, uh, this black and white film in a, in, a, in a movie theater, but it was Captain America and Bucky uh, with someone else. And then and Bucky, being the, the teenager that he is, he uh, when the when the little newsreel ends, he's like, and uh, da, 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 that's all, folks. That is Bucky. Lights up. Boy, these recreation scenes were nearly as authentic looking at the real footage, huh, Cap? If I didn't know those were just actors playing you and Zemo and Sergeant Furry's commandos, what matters is learning that Zemo knew Tesla. And what and that, Captain, is why the FBI has been watching Tesla so closely of late. Not close enough to stop Masterman from getting to him, Agent Winsel. We didn't do so well in that square ourselves. Well, at least we weren't sitting around the lobby of some hotel when he got killed. Bucky. I'm afraid the boy's right. It won't be hard to make it appear an 86-year-old Rick recluse died of natural causes, but only you two could have stood up to Masterman. Actually, he didn't seem as superhumanly powerful as the last time we tackled him. Oh, and here's a letter we found in this room. It was mailed recently from Madrid. Huh? Sorry, my mind was elsewhere. Thinking about the things Tesla claimed he'd work out, particularly uh, in a piece in the Times a couple of years ago, he said that given $2 million in three months, he could erect what he called a Chinese wall of his teleforce rays around the United States, and that it would melt airplanes at a distance of 250 miles. If Hitler got a hold of a plan for something like that, he could make his fortress Europe bomber-proof. So why didn't the War Department take Doc Tesla up on his offer? I suppose they considered it just the ramblings of a once great old man, son. I only hope they were right. Tesla's teleforce rays could then be the same as Zemo's death ray. Some magazines have called Tesla's concept a death ray, but I suspect they're really two different weapons. Zemo's first death ray was wrecked. If he's behind tonight's attack, perhaps he wants to combine his own ideas and Tesla's. And that's why Bucky and I are heading for Spain on the first flight you can shoehorn us onto. You mean that letter? But you've no proof. The War Department waited for proof, Agent Winsel. Now Tesla's dead, and plans for the ultimate defense may be on their way back to Berlin. If there's even a chance that woman in Madrid knows anything, we've got to talk to her. I see your point, but surely young Bucky should stay here. I've been going pretty much everywhere Cap has for the last two years, sir, and besides, I've always hankered to see sunny Spain. And uh, so there was... When they came out of the movie theater, Bob, what was what was on the marquee? 
Well, several movies were showing, Rick, but there was one in particular that might have caught your attention. And it was a movie uh, starring Leslie Howard and, and a few other well-known actors, Raymond Macy and uh, Laurence Olivier, later to be known as Sir Laurence Olivier. And the movie was known as The Invaders. Oh, it's almost like Roy, uh, you know, wanted a little nod to his comic yeah. book series what you know what's really interesting is that movie when it first came out it was uh it was known as the 49th parallel it was a british movie but when it uh when it uh, premiered in the united states they changed the name to the invaders interesting i did not know that i'm wondering if um bucky's reference uh, i've always hankered to see sunny spain is in reference to that song uh didn't frank sinatra have a song about spain or something now i don't know if, if it ah. was in in that 40s but i don't know i don't recall okay hmm. all right you know what bob i think it's time for you you're doing such a great job bob but uh maybe you can do the 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 reading here from the uh the book sure the, the uh, travel guide yeah yeah, yeah. but so, maybe may yeah. You could do a different voice this time. Okay, I'll just do my voice. All right, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so one of the interesting things about I think this 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 uh, this graphic novel, Rick, is that uh, there's a lot of obviously uh, excerpts from news broadcasts, but here we've got an excerpt from from a travel log. So, from Moat's Travel Guide, Europe, 1943 edition. Even amid a world war, one can fly by clipper from New York to Lisbon, Portugal, via a brief layover in the Azores, though there's likely to be a lengthy delay in obtaining tickets, unless one has the right connections. By greasing the right palm, one can then get a comfortable compartment on the sleeper from Lisbon to Madrid. Some feel Madrid is an unlovely upstart among the world's great cities, having only been designated Spain's capital in 1561. But such critics may be responding less to Madrid itself than to the outcome of the 1936-1939 Spanish Civil War, which brought General Francis General Generalissimo Francisco Franco and his fascistic Falange party to power. Nine out of ten Spaniards expressed open dissatisfaction with the Franco regime. That may be why Spain remains neutral, despite pressure from former supporters of Hitler and Mussolini. Right. So we're seeing, um, before we turn to the next page, uh, we're just seeing <clears throat> plane and train. Uh, so we're basically seeing how Cap and Bucky get, you know, over here into Europe, into Spain. And it's interesting to saying that, you know, even during the war, you can do this, uh, which, you know, I think I mentioned before, like uh, my wife and I saw Casablanca um, like a week or two ago. Uh, and it was the first time either of us seen it. And it was really interesting to me um, that, you know, the the movie was taking place like we actually was set during the war, but it literally was shot during the war. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. And so some of this is kind of ringing true to that. And the other thing, too, is interesting is, you know, you know I think I told you before, my sister lives in Spain. She's been there for, I don't know, nearly 20 years. And uh, so I took my, my wife and the kids to go visit them uh, this past summer and uh, my first time there. And um, uh, her, my sister's boyfriend, uh, lovely man, um, he, uh, Sergio, he, uh, he talks about the Civil War. Mm. Like we talk about the Civil War 
and it's it's in the past, right? It's it's yeah. in history. They talk about the Civil War, and it's like a couple generations ago, right? You know, yeah. and so yeah. it it it's just really interesting. But uh, anyway, next page. Yeah, lavish shop windows will assure you there was plenty of merchandise available, even with much of the world at war. The plush Ritz Hotel shows no ill effects from having been used as a hospital during the Civil War. But with the pesta officially pegged at 11 to the dollar, a meal there may cost as much as $6 plus tip. As always, in such a situation, there is a flourishing estraperlo or black market. So Steve's in civilians uh, and he's in a hotel lobby. Uh, por favor, senor. Me llamo Steve Rogers. Busco Miss Janice Dare. I speak English, Senor Rogers, but I do not believe we have anyone here by the name which you. She posted a letter to me here about a month ago. She said I should inquire at the desk about her. Claro, I remember Miss Dare now. Every morning for the past few weeks, she has stopped by to tell me where her abouts for the day. Today she is at the Plaza de Toros. A bullfight in January. We have unseasonably warm weather of late. Oh, muchas gracias, senor. And he, he gives him a tip. Yeah, that reminds me of like some real cliche, you know, like uh, waiters or maitre d's, you know, like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You flash us some money. Oh, yeah, that person. Yeah, they come here every morning and they tell us, tell me exactly where they're going to be. <laughs> Like he went from like one extreme to the who I don't know. But, oh yeah. She's here every day. Yeah. She tells me <laughs> she's going to be my best friend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they are now. Uh... Oh, and then he says, uh, uh, and, uh, and Franco must have decided that a bullfight may distract the peons from their problems. Although the Plaza de Toros seats some 50,000 people, the average American would refuse to patronize a bullfight, and rightly so. But unless we attend such a bloody spectacle at least once, we won't be able to tell everyone at home exactly how degrading it is, or to reflect on how to convert the Spanish people to our own more enlightened point of view. Thus, we join the crowds now streaming plazaward. Have we got to do this, Steve? I thought so. But now that I ponder trying to find a woman we've never seen among all these madrilenos, I'm not so sure. We can get out of here as soon as we spot Janice Dare, so keep on the move. You heard the deskman's description as well as I did. Yeah, but one thing still doesn't make any sense to me. She couldn't have figured that some guy in, the, in his 80s was going to come meet her. Guess she hoped she'd lined up somebody like us to make the trip lad. But look, here comes El Toro. El Toro, Bob, that's Spanish. What does that mean? The bull. Oh, thank you. Hold it. I wonder, could that be? No, hair too dark. Ay, Toro! And then we see, and then we see um, a, uh, a black bull uh, in the middle of uh, the stadium. And we see uh, men, two men on uh, each on a horse, 
holding long lances they use to uh, to spear at the at the bull. First, the picadors enter the arena to excite the bull by spearing him from horseback. That one down there, maybe? No, too old. Next, the bandoleros attempt to land three pairs of three-foot darts in the bull's neck to further anger him. By this point, the fainter of heart will have bolted from the stadium headed for the avenid Jose Antonio. Finally, the matador himself enters the ring. In this round, there is more skill and less cruelty displayed than in the preceding two. The bull, of course, can hardly be expected to appreciate this subtle difference. That hat. There she is, Steve. Hey, Miss Dare. The nimble matador faces the bull armed, apparently only with his cape. Miss, ma'am, my name's Roger Stevens. Are you Janice Dare, the one who wrote to Nikola Tesla in New York? I don't know what you're talking about. She's lying, Steve, or Roger. You warned Dr. Tussle. He was in danger, and you were right. He was murdered on the 7th. I'm with the U.S. government, sort of. What else do you know that uh, you didn't put in your letter? Please, I don't know anything. Just, just go away. Yet always, he steps aside, flinging his muleta over the beast's head. The crimson muleta conceals the matador's deadly sword. Didn't you hear me? I said, go away. Look out for the railing. She's gonna... Toro, 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 Toro. Next page. We see her fall over the edge into the ring, Bob. In the ring, red is the color of death. But she's wearing red, Bob. It is also the color, perhaps, of the crowd's screams and shouts. When the maddened bull charges, they think, and so do you, that a human being's final moment has come. And sure enough, the bull turns towards uh, Miss Dare, who is in the ring now, on the ground, in her red dress and her long blonde hair. And she says, Gotten Himmel. But then... There is that bright flash of color Stay as here. if stay here, kid. And Cap takes off his civilians and you see his uniform underneath. As if courage has suddenly become vividly incarnate. As if manliness were suddenly personified by that polychromatic figure in the arena. Hey, Toro. At such times, the spectators stand up, moan, and have even been known to nay. Some women hide their faces behind their fans. But it is quite obvious that they are thrilled to the marrow. The crowd is now in a state of intolerable excitement. But the matador's apparent bravery is, in truth, only. So before we turn the page, we see Cap jumps on to behind the bull, grabs by the, by the horns, twists the head. But unfortunately... He falls off the bull and then uh, there's a sign, a, a, a round sign with the number 10 on it. And Bucky throws it and he says, hey, Cap, catch. And he throws it. So Cap has something roughly the size of his shield, although it's just a flat wooden sign. And he next page and he uses that and he hits the bull head on. And then he takes it and he throws it just like his shield who hits it in the head a second time, 
which makes the bull fall. But the matador's apparent bravery is, in truth, only showmanship. The gaudily clad gentleman in the arena only appears to be in danger of imminent death. In the end, the matador's task is to slay the badly hurt bull with his sword. And he throws the sword to Cap to allow Cap to have the kill. And Cap takes the sword, he holds it up over his head, and he he's about to thrust it right towards the bull, but he hits it right next to the bull, basically showing the bull mercy. And he yells to the crowd, come kill him yourselves. And then they rush off. Patrons of the bullring have a name for this as well. It is called the moment of truth. Depending on the skill the bullfighter has exhibited, he may be carried out of the ring as a hero or be chased out of it by an angry, disappointed mob. Afterward, the more courageous members of the audience rush into the ring and kick the dead bull. You are Captain America? Guilty as charged. Baroness Zemo. What did you call her, Cap? You know? I suspected. The news service says that you died in an auto accident, but I've seen your photo. When you cried out in German, that was the clincher. Now, Baroness, care to tell us what you know about Masterman murdering Tesla for his papers? Please, don't call me Baroness. My name is Hilda. You will not believe me, but I loathe the Nazis, all but my husband. Heinrich Zemo, I will always love, no matter what he does. He was a loving husband and father, until his encounter with you left him trapped forever beneath that hood. He took his hatred of you out on his family. Not long ago he vanished, though I know he was working on some hellish device for Hitler. I have heard enough to know that it involves Tesla's discoveries. The Nazis kept a close eye on Helmut and myself, but I knew I had to warn Tesla if I could. So one night, I eluded my guards long enough to send an automobile crashing into the river, hoping that Helmut's sincere grief would convince the Nazis I had died and my body washed away in a rain-swollen river. I had given up everything, even my son, to warn Tesla and the world. And now you tell me Dr. Tesla is dead and the Nazis have his plans? We came all this way to Madrid to see you. But you tried to run away. I lost my nerve. I thought you might be Gestapo. Might we... Maybe we can still stop the Baron. If you've got any idea where he is. I know exactly where he is. And I'll take you to him. If you will swear not to kill my husband. And to try to bring my son out of Germany. I'll do my best on both accounts. But it's too dangerous for you to return to the Reich. That is my offer. Take it or leave it, as you Yankees say. You leave us no choice, Frau Zemo. We'll take you with us. Good. I sure hope you're guessing right, Cap. And this isn't just an elaborate Nazi plot to get Captain America to walk right into Uncle Adolf's open arms. For Moat's Travel Guide, Europe, 1943 edition. With considerable regret, we have omitted Germany from this edition. Since the United States has been at war with the Third Reich since December 1941, 
No American can expect to visit Berlin in 1943 unless it be as a prisoner of war. This is truly a pity since Berlin, even under the nationalist socialists is a place of beauty, especially by night. So we see, um, we see Steve and, and Bucky and Hilda, they're all in civilian clothes. Burr, we couldn't, why couldn't Baron Zebo be building his new death ray in south of France instead? I can't get over it, Cap. We're really in Berlin, the Nazi capital. Most Germans are not Nazis, Bucky, nor did they want this war. There are no hurrahs in the street when war was declared on Poland in 39. Maybe not, but there's no organized resistance to Hitler in Germany. Isn't there a Captain America? Then what, pray tell, am I? British Prime Minister Winston Churchill to Brigadier General Ira C. Eaker, Commander, U.S. 8th Force, U.S. 8th Air Force, Casablanca Conference, January 1943. Young man, you have persuaded me that you should have further opportunities to prove your contention. How fortuitous it would be if we could, as you say, bomb the devils round the clock. Brazima, admittedly, my German's not the reason they gave me this costume and a shield. But I, did I just see a sign that said, this, may, this way to the zoo? Ja, Captain, since Captain... Ja, Captain, since Castle Zemo is not yet fully rebuilt, my husband labors in a secret laboratory near the Berlin Zoological Gardens. There's a loud noise, Bob. Roar. Uh, Cap, was, was that a lion? If it's any comfort to you, lad, being devoured by a lion is going to be the least of our worries this evening. From Casablanca Directive, agreed upon by President Roosevelt and Prime Minister Churchill, January 1943. Your primary objective will be the progressive destruction and dislocation of the German military, industrial, and economic system, and the undermining of the morale of the German people to a point where their capacity for armed resistance is fatally weakened. I don't like the way that leopard's looking at me. It is just a little further. This door leads to the laboratory. I was there once, but I did not have a key. Oh, you have already forced it open. Captain America's no cream puff, ma'am. Don't get cocky, son. We may have just entered the lion's den in more ways than one. Bucky, stay up here and guard our rear. Huh? But that's an order. Okay, Cap. You stay here with him, Hilda. I am not a child to be commanded, Captain. I vowed to take you to Heinrich, and that is just what I intend to do. All right, you win, if winning is the right word for it. This is the door to the laboratory. Why do you hesitate? This is not easy for me. As I told you, I love my husband. Look, you can wait out here. No, I will. I must go in. There he is, seated down there, with his back to us. Stay here, or he'll hear your footsteps. Do not forget your promise, Captain America. You swore you would not hurt him. I swore I wouldn't kill him, but I won't do either if I can help it. 
and he goes down the stairs and he creeps up behind. All right, Zemo. And he goes to pull the mask and it comes right off and it's a dummy. Huh? And we turn the page and it's the spotlight comes on them. And above them is Heinrich Zemo and Master Man looking down. A mannequin? But, oh, the lights. Don't worry about it. The element of surprise is pretty much shot. As you should be, Americana. Heinrich, I rather suspected you might somehow trail Master Man here to Berlin, Yankee. But I did not think it would be my dear departed wife who led you to me. Heinrich, I, I couldn't let you... Silence, woman! What would I to do with you now? I should shoot you down where you stand. Do what you're going to do to me, Zima. But let your wife go. I forced her to lead me to you. No, I would not hide behind even your shield, Captain. I love you, Henrik. You know I have always loved you. But the Nazis you serve are evil incarnate. Kill me if you must, but send our son out of Germany. I don't want him to grow up to be what you've become. I think you may execute both of them now, Willy Lommer. Javol, Herr Baron. Captain America first! Masterman jumps over. And then uh, there are some German soldiers up in the zoo area, and they, they come across Bucky. Look, a must prowler. Halt and say. He is not halting. Fire. But it is only a boy. I said fire. And the machine gun goes, Bob. Butter, 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 butter. Find him and kill him. Ja, Herr Hopton. Whatever Baron Zemo is up to down there. It must be important for our captain to be so jumpy. Ha, huh, he probably doesn't know any more about it than we do. Well, we've got the zoo area sealed off now. That young hoodlum may have gotten out, but he sure won't get back in. So, so Bucky then pulls a note out of his boot, which is now blue for some reason. Uh, and uh, he then... It's supposed to be blue, right? Oh, I guess so. Red. Is it? Yeah. You've got red pants. Do so you have red boots too? Oh, yeah. Good point. I don't know. It goes back and forth. Yeah, it does actually. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Bucky looks at something on that piece of paper and then he goes running off into the town. And Master Man's on top of Captain America choking him. I have waited more than a year for this moment. Ever since you pre prevented me from killing that swine Churchill on his own battleship. Well, in that case, you won't mind waiting a while longer. And he gives him a, a big hit and, and, uh, with his shield and makes a noise. You used to be a whole lot stronger than me, Lommer. After you were bathed in that souped-up version of the super soldier formula, what happened? The formula was unstable. My strength is less now than it was. Less, perhaps, than it will be again one day soon. But never fear. It is sufficient. And he charges him and headbutts him in the solar plexus. Do not toy with him, you idiot! Kill him without delay! Is Master Man listening to his master's voice? By the way, how's the wife? Shwined! 
I'll take your eyebells to her as an anniversary gift. Who's his wife, Bob? Oh, that would be the delicious Wonder uh, Warrior Wonder Woman. Warrior Woman. Delicious. I do like Warrior Woman. Yeah. I mean, she's not my ideological cup of tea, but she's she's nice on the eyes. <laughs> You're such a bloodthirsty pig, Loam. Are you sure you're really just a Bundist from New York's Yorkville area and not a homegrown Nazi? And he punches him twice. Master Man is down. We can't take the chance of Captain America escaping. Shoot him down like a dog. Yevol! And they just start firing at him. And uh, one of them uh, nails his shoulder, goes right through his right shoulder. You have only wounded him. Yet perhaps that is best after all. You others, get down there and take him alive. But I don't want him in any condition to cause more trouble. No. You ordered them, and then Masterman gets upset. You ordered them to shoot him? But Captain America was mine. Mine! Heinrich, don't! I'm glad the Baron wants us to soften him up and not kill him. He caused the death of a cousin of mine who's in the Gestapo. Besides, look at the right side. And, and their soldiers are just kicking and, and hitting him with their butts of their rifle. Besides, look at the bright side. We don't know who he is behind that mask. Why, he could even be a Jew. And Master Man starts running towards uh, the soldiers. You! It was you who robbed me of my due right of beating the Yankee scum to death. Please... I, I was only following the Baron's orders. And uh, he goes up and grabs the soldier who was, did that shot cap in the shoulder. True, but I do not dare kill Baron Zemo, do I? While you, on the other hand, nine! And then the master man comes up and he snaps and chokes the neck. Are relatively expendable ah. i serve the fuhrer no less than you do baron but remember this no one interferes when master man is out for blood you've made your point and because i have need of your strength i will forgive you killing one of my soldiers but i have no patience for individual acts of heroism or of savagery it is the results i want results for the third reich and for adolf hitler the American is unconscious, Herr Baron. Sir Gott, take Captain America and my dear wife to the holding chamber. My Medusa effect, my newest and most powerful death ray, will be operative this very night to guard Berlin against the expect, expected Allied bombing raid. And these two, whom I despise most in all of the world, shall be its very first victims. Then we cut to the next page, and it is Bucky who is going through the town late at night uh, looking for something. For Moat's Tour Guide, Germany, 1939 edition. There are many splendid mansions in the countryside near Berlin, most of which currently belong to the higher echelons of the Nazi party. So Bucky crawls up the wall using the vines, goes into the window, and he 
goes into the window of a young boy sleeping in bed. And he goes and he puts his hand on his mouth. And he the kid wakes and he muffles something, but he says, Shh, um, let me see. Uh, Helmet, uh, spreken the English? She told us you did, I think. Ja, yes, I speak uh, English a little. Who are you? Tell me or I shall... Shh, keep it down, huh, Helmet? I'm a friend of your mother's. She's alive, Helmet. She... Mein mother? Nein. She... That mask. I know you. You are Bucky, the friend of Captain America. You hurt my father. Why should I believe anything you say? Shh. Your mom told me a lot more about you than your name. You've got a dog named Schutze, uh, but your dad makes him makes you call it Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. Uh, the last thing your mom told you before she faked that car crash was that you should always love your father no matter what he did. You had a cold that whole week, and... All right. Maybe you are telling the truth. I, I have never fully believed she was dead. I demand you take me to her. Suits me fine. Just whisper, okay? She and Cap are at your old man's secret lab under the zoo. I know where that is. Father would not tell me, but I tricked his secretary into telling me. Good, you can... Holy cow, is that a Hitler youth uniform? Ja, of course. Nearly everyone my age in the Reich belongs to the Hilterjung. Hilterjungen? Hitlerjungen, yeah. I know it. It's just that. Never mind. Let's go. From Moat's Tour Guide, Germany, 1939 edition. Berlin is probably the only major city in the world whose designated center is a zoo. The Zoologisch Garten once lay beyond the precincts of central Berlin, but now it's the, it lies just a few steps from the Breitensplatz business district. My father had a secret private entrance built, so he would not have to enter through the zoo. I will take you there, but if your captain tries to harm him again... Cap promised your mom he wouldn't, and he always keeps his word. She's just helping us get back something that belongs to us. Women should not concern themselves with politics, yet I want to find out more before I condemn my mother. You see, I talked the secretary into making me a key so I could surprise my father sometime. What I see, Helmet, is a kid who loves his father and feels shut out by him. Shut up, Americana. What do you know about anything? Ja, Nikolai Tesla was truly a brilliant man, Captain America. Vata? Shh, you don't want to hear him, do you? It's your mom you came here to find. And uh, the two boys are hiding behind a piece of machinery, and they see um, Heinrich Zemo and Masterman talking to each other in front of a, a large device, and there's some soldiers there with, um, you know, with weapons uh, guarding it. Thus, I, by my modifying his greatest creation, the teleforce rays into the basis of this Medusa cannon have proven myself even more brilliant than he. I don't see why you don't let me kill Captain America outright. For one thing, Herr Lomar, I want him to suffer first, seeing my ray cannon knock allied bombers wholesale from the sky. With any luck, he shall have an air raid before the very night is over. 
Captain America must know how total was his failure before I allow him to perish. As long as he dies by my hand. That privilege, I fear, I have reserved for myself because of past scars. His one-of-a-kind shield, too, must be studied for its singular properties. Why is Father speaking English? Because Masterman's really from New York, and his German probably offends Zemo's ears. However, when we are finished with the shield, perhaps you would like to have it as a prize of war. What is... Masterman just slaps the shield out of Zemo's hands. It's Captain America's neck I want in my hands, not some trinket. Control yourself, man. You might have damaged the Medusa cannon, and some of the materials that went into making are no longer replaceable until we have finished our conquest of Russia. You completed the cannon while I was in New York? Ja, I had gleaned many of Tesla's secrets during my U.S. trip, but it took ten years to construct this working prototype. The notes you stole enabled me to make a few last-minute adjustments, without which... Dunwater? Helmet? Here, father, some cannon fodder for you. And he pushes Bucky out into the open. Why, you crazy? I should have known better to take my eyes off a Nazi, even the pint-sized variety. The boy is Captain America's partner. Take him alive! There is always a chance to me prove useful. And that, patchy face, is a lot more than I could say for you. And he fights the two soldiers that are coming at him. But, unfortunately, one hits him in the back of the head and knocks him out. I got him here, Baron. You did well to lure that brat here, Helmet. But how did you learn the location of the secret laboratory? I, of course, your mother must have told you. That boy, Bucky, he said mother is alive. He said, surely you do not believe what your Yankee spies tell you, my son. No, I am afraid your mother is indeed dead. But in memory of her, if the bombers come tonight, you may shoot them down, becoming the first person to fire my Medusa cannon. Wunderbar! On certain nights, as one strolls the moonlit boulevards of Berlin, one can hear the wolves and coyotes baying at the moon overhead. Or perhaps they are merely bemoaning the fate of all creatures confined by metal cages in the midst of a teeming humanity. All right, so the next page, and we cut to uh, Bob's favorite page in the whole book. And uh, it is Cap and Hilda in a very, very large cell. Um. And Cap's kind of waking up, and Hilda is kneeling next to him, bandaging his damaged shoulder from the bullet. Where? We are in a cell in my husband's stronghold. Now hold still. I have bandaged your wounded shoulder as best as I can, but... Thanks. But I heal fast. I'm built that way. Do you really think Zimu means to kill you too? I betrayed him. By pretending to die... Then by warning Tesla, and worst of all, by bringing you here. I am so sorry I have led to you, you to your death, Captain. I'm not dead yet, Hilda, and neither are you. And he leans into her. We're both very much, and they get close in the face, alive. 
And then the last panel, Bob, what are they doing? They are locking lips, Rick. Ew. <laughs> Cooties. I know. What's Cap doing? Cap cooties. Girls are yucky. Yeah. <laughs> I I shouldn't have done that. Whatever he's done, I'm still Henrik's wife, and I love him. But you're so much like what I thought him to be. When we were both young, I, I'm so confused. To tell you the truth, I, I'm getting a little that way myself. So maybe it's time I turned my attention to something a bit more tangible than human emotions. Like this door, for instance. It's reinforced with steel, Captain. You can't... And he kicks it. No, apparently I can't. That with my feet, anyway. So I guess I'll have to put my remaining shoulder to the wheel. And he goes and he nails it. like He's hitting it with his left shoulder. And the other side, the two guards there are... Dumbcuff! Does he actually think he can break down the door? Perhaps we should open it and give him another taste of our rifle butts. Oh, let him pound away, Horst. All he'll do is rupture himself. Ha 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 ha! I made a funny. <laughs> so he's just hitting away. And then, sure enough, he is bleeding on his other shoulder because his open wound is just from the pressure uh, rupturing. Captain, you must stop. Your shoulder, it's begun to bleed again. So what? Ugh. You want me to have a nicely healed shoulder right before they shoot us? It's impossible. The door, it's actually beginning to buckle. So am I. At this point, it's just all just a matter of which of us buckles first. And sure enough, he knocks it down, Bob. Libercott! He has knocked the door off its hinges. And Cap falls with the door onto the ground. Captain, look out! And the soldier takes his machine gun and starts firing, and he hits, he hits uh, Hilda. Oh. And then... Um, as she gets hit in the, like the hip, and uh, as she falls, Cap gets up. You rotten, if you killed her, I might just tear you apart with my bare hands. And he knocks out the two soldiers. Captain America. You've been saved by the bell, Ratsies, for the moment. Hilda, are you all right? My hip shattered i can feel it but your shoulder it's bleeding again don't worry i could still carry you out of it no you mustn't it is the world you must save now yes and even germany from men like hitler and heinrich and if you can't come back for me perhaps my son i'll do what i can for him Hilda. but now you just sit tight because i will be back for you i swear i will and he's bleeding as he's walking down the stairs. And he looks like he's wobbling, Bob. From Casablanca, directive approved by Roosevelt and Churchill, January 1943. The British and American Bomber Commands will continue to operate as before. 
with the United States Army Air Force stepping up its intention to bomb the enemy by day, the Royal Air Force by night. And I should point out, every time you 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 talk about that, we see these bombers in the night sky as they get closer and closer to Germany. And the few moments when the bombers are directly overhead, you will press this button and fire my Medusa cannon. You do remember what who Medusa was, don't you, boy? Of course, father. She just looked at people and turned them to stone. That's what the cannon will do, isn't it? The enemy will fall from the sky as if they had been turned to stone. Yes, they... Be careful, boy. You might accidentally change the angle of the barrel, and that would be quite dangerous to us all. And that's something Cap heard. And we turn to the next page. Oh, my goodness. Bob, the cannon yeah. has something or someone strapped in front of it. That's odd, Rick. Why would he strap Bucky to the barrel of the Medusa effect cannon? One, to, I guess, torture. Yeah. Uh, and two, uh, just because uh, it's an homage to probably several 1940s Captain America comics. Indeed. Naturally, Captain America's young ally would still become the first fatality of the Medusa cannon. But tonight, as you all know, we are much we are after much bigger game. And uh, by the way, Masterman's just sitting up there on the uh, on the balconies, um, railing, uh, looking a little Monroe. Injected. Yeah, Monroe's gonna say morose. Morose. Yeah. I know just enough German to read your meaning, Zemo, and I'm afraid there's been a change of plans. Yo! And then the whole time we hear a hum, and uh, it gets louder and louder and louder. So those, those must be the bombers coming. Yes, it's, I think you're right. You first. And uh, he takes up the shield, and he throws it at Master Man, who knocks him off the railing, so he falls into the lower lower area where Cap and Zemo are with your main muscle down for the count Zemo I can give you my full attention and here help me where is my mother if you've hurt her she's all right she Zemo are you trying to kill your own son I will kill you Yankee and anyone to get to you from hold on from from Casablanca directive January 1943 Bombing of Germany will be based upon a system of target priorities, as agreed upon by the Combined Chiefs of Staff. Targets, in order of priority, will be submarine construction yards, the aircraft industry, transportation, oil installations, and other targets in the enemy war industry. Why, you lousy and, and Cap and, and Zemo are just fighting each other. Uh, but, um, you know, there's still that that cannon there that, that uh, Bucky's tied to the front of. If ever a man was born who didn't deserve the love of his wife and child, it's you. And then Bucky wakes up. Cap? Uh, and he's working on his, uh, you know, the, the rope tied around his, his wrist. He's trying to get loose. You befouled my plans once, Captain America. You will never do so again. Never, Baron? How about a little sooner than that? Like, say, in about three seconds. 
Father, I hear the bombers overhead. I will fire the cannon. Helmet, no. Jaw, my son. Jaw! It is done, father. And uh, he hits the thing and fires, and the ray goes up. But Bucky does free himself just in time. Holy cow! From the files of the Combined Bomber Offensive, the code name Point Blank, 1943. When precision targets are bombed by the U.S. 8th Air Force in daylight, the effort should be complemented and completed by Royal Air Force bombing attacks against the surrounding industrial area at night. The Germans, recognizing the vulnerability of their vital industries, are rapidly increasing the strength of their fighter defenses. If the growth of German fighter strength is not arrested quickly, it may become literally impossible to carry out the destruction planned, and thus to create the conditions necessary for ultimate decisive action by our combined forces on the continent. So we see the ray uh, firing up, but it's it seems to be going wild, right? Like remember before when he said if the if the cannon was off just a little bit, it would like not be good. Well, it looks like it's firing at um, the castle itself and the zoo and everything else. Uh, and of course, uh, the the ceiling starts collapsing and. Uh, for some reason, the uh, boulders are falling down. Bucky, where are you? Over here. But I got troubles. And then we see little uh, helmet Zemo with his uh, his bayonet uh, coming at um, Bucky. I'll kill you, American. I'll. But one of the little rocks came down and hit him in the back of the head, knocked him out. Watch out, Bucky, above you. I see it, Cap, but Helmet. And uh, he goes and he saves Helmet from being crushed by a boulder. You did it, lad. I'm betting this place is finished. Along with a few square blocks of the city up there. Cap, the kid's hurt. Zemo, your cannon is finished. And Helmet, you destroyed my creation. Even Tesla's plans be lost in, in, amid this rumble. I will not bargain with you for your lives at any price, not even my sons. I will see you dead. He thought you were using the Hitler's youth creep as a hostage cap because that's what he would have done with you if he'd uh, got the chance. This way, Bucky, we still got to get to his mother. And just then, we see her lying uh, unconscious under... Uh, you know, about to be avalanched on. Captain, where is Hilda? He's here, Hilda. Just scratched. Helmet. Yes, I, I knew you'd help him, wherever he was. But I was asking about Heinrich. And then she dies. I can't believe it. Her dying words were about that crumb Zemo? She loved him, kid. You don't. And Cap has tears in his eyes. Look out! And they have to get out of the, uh, jump out of the way before the avalanche comes down and, and Bucky and Cap and Helmet are, are saved. And then uh, another panel, we see Heinrich uh, being collapsed uh, in the building with his device. Next page, 
they're up above where the zoo is and they're walking around and we see some like a leopard and a tiger. Oh my. The way helmet showed me is the fastest way out. Then we're definitely taking it. And we'll have to hope any wild animals freed from their cages have better things to do than chase after us. Uh, the boy's going to be okay. I couldn't really be sure when I told Hilda. Cap, up there. The British planes have dropped their loads and they're heading back for the channel. Most of them, anyway. But if that death ray had hit them before it blew up, instead of just tearing through the part of Berlin, instead... Only it didn't, thanks to Zemo falling against his cannon and changing his line of fire. Well, Berlin's not going to be any safer for us now than it was before, so we'd better collect Helmut and... Uh, I'm afraid that's easier said than done. He's gone. Fled back to his father, no doubt, assuming Zemo got out somehow, while his mother, who loved him so much more than his father ever will, lies buried in the rubble. Rubble which is a monument to mass destruction, reared by both sides. Masterman will probably survive, too, if only I could have... Ah! Easy, Cap, your shoulder, remember? Look, you, you stopped Zemo from using Dr. Tesla's teleforce rays to win the war for Uncle Adolf. Surely that's enough for one holiday in Fortress Europe. I... I guess it'll have to be, son. Now... Now you just lean on me for a change, okay? After all, everybody's got to lean on somebody sometime, right? Long after the Second World War lives only in the glowing ashes of human memory, Barry, Baron Heinrich Zemo will return to seek vengeance anew on Captain America, the man he feels disfigured him. While his son, Helmut, will rise, later still, to seek a vengeance all his own, first as the Phoenix, later as the second Baron Zemo. Mankind's most terrible war to date did cast lengthy shadows indeed, and its legacy of death and destruction is mighty still. The end. The end, Rick. Oof. What'd you think of there, Bob? I love that, that story, Rick. Love it. All right. What'd you love about it? I, I love the history. I love that uh, that Roy Thomas has woven so much real world history, put a cap story right in the middle of of real stuff, right? Uh, and down to such details, right? Um, even like the whole backstory about Tesla and the death ray, and that was real deal, man, real deal. Uh, I love that, and uh, I love the fact that we get to see Helmet Zero, uh, Zero Helmet Zemo as as a child, right? Uh, and, yep. and there was a moment of time where Bucky, you know, Bucky had let him get crushed. Uh, the whole Phoenix, Zemo, all that stuff would never have happened. Um, so, you know, we get to see that intersection mm -hmm. uh, of 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 retconning play out in this earlier story. I don't know. There's just a lot I like about this story. It's an interesting story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about yourself? I think the story was was okay. I, I I like all the facts that you pointed out, right? The mm -hmm. history, I thought, it was masterfully done by Thomas on how he wove in facts of history uh, via the radio broadcast, via the, the the TV broadcast, the cap reciting about Tesla, uh, the the whole thing about you know the the planes and you know all that. You could see Roy 
did his research, right? He, he, he really did. He put a lot of heart and effort into this. I only wish that the art was at the same level. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a fair criticism, I think. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah. that was really what was holding me back. Yeah. You know, I think that was really holding me back on this, this, uh, if this was done, um, you know, by, by exec, John Byrne, um, you know, somebody, I, I don't know. I, you know, yeah. I, you know, it just, you could tell this, this was kind of like a, a somewhat rushed project because you know, they had yeah. more multiple artists on it. And, um, so I, I, I don't think they did Roy Thomas's script justice. Yeah. Um, and, and listen, I, you, you I, I rarely am, I critique like this. Rarely am I, um, you know, uh, sure, I, I don't I want to say negative, but, yeah. but, um, yeah. You know, that that's, I, I'm not a fan of a lot of nineties art. Yeah. I a hundred percent get that. You know, and it's interesting you say that. Cause if like you contrast this with, um, the heck was the name of it? The, the Bahama triangle one shot that uh -huh. Roy Thomas wrote, but, uh, but Jerry Ordway did the, did the art, mm -hmm. uh, you know, another Heinrich Zemo story, world mm -hmm. war two story. Um, that one with human torch and, uh, and Submariner as well. And, uh, it just, it comes off completely different, you know, same type of story, you know, a lot of twists and turns, world war two politics, real hit real world history, but the art, um, just, you know, light years ahead of it. And, mm -hmm. uh, it just sells the story so much better. So, yeah, I do think for whatever reason, um, maybe it was just nineties, maybe as you said, timelines for some reason, um, you know, Buckler and Wyman, you know, their, their work just wasn't up to par on this. Uh, and I think for a lot of reasons, for many people, maybe they, they wouldn't enjoy the story, even read it because of that. But uh, but anyway, I'm glad we had an opportunity to do it because, um, and I do hope people will pick it up and read it because there's, like I said, a lot of real world history in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, it's funny is Wyman, he's still out there. Um, I don't think he's doing like comic work, but he's doing commissions and like convention sketches and things like that. And uh, he draws a lot of risque women. <laughs> you don't say. Yes. So if you want to look up, look up yeah. his uh, current work. Yeah. Uh, let's just say uh, you would be describing that as skin tight. Yeah. Okay. I like it. All right. Yep. I'm gonna do a little research. <laughs> All in the name of the podcast, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> you go first. Uh, what was your favorite panel of the of this story? All right, Rick. Well, I, I love, you know, I'm an animal guy, Rick. Uh, yes. And, and I love, there were two instances in this, in this, uh, in this story where Cap sort of stepped up and showed that he is a compassionate individual. It's on the coin, right? What would Cap do? Mm -hmm. Compassion. And so the first one, of course, is when he, he let loose uh, Tesla's pigeons so that they could be free. Uh, and the second one was in the bull ring, right? Where he was given the opportunity, he was expected to slay the bull after he brought it down and, uh, and he refuses to, to do it. He refuses to, to take that last step. And uh, and uh and martyr the bull so uh so that was page 26 in the lower left hand uh the lower left hand panel and he says come kill him yourselves and, and mm -hmm. i love that i love the fact that he's just he refuses to gratuitously kill even an animal mm -hmm. yeah so what about you man for me uh i'm gonna go with uh that panel uh on the i think it's page 54 
Um, but it's it's the one where the you see Bucky is strapped to the the front of the cannon. Yeah, uh, I, I I like that because of the homage to the 1940s covers. Like you know, it seems like a Schomburg cover of some sort, right? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you know, Bucky in peril, Cap having to save him. You've got uh, you know the Germans there, but I also like the, the uh, you know the the perspective. You get to see a you know a sullen masterman just kind of sulking, you know, sitting up there, um, and and so on. So I I think I think that's my favorite band. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Thank you. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, how about a um, how about a t-shirt? Anything you want to put on a t-shirt? I do. I'm going to go with page uh, 36, I believe it is, and uh, panel five. It's when Cap and uh, Masterman are punching and duking it out. And uh, and I, I like this one uh, where he says, you're such a bloodthirsty um, pig, Lauer. Are you sure you're really just uh, a Buddhist from New York? Um, anyway, so, and he's punching and he see Masterman being like flying back. So I think it's a good action pose. I like the little word balloons. I like the sound effects. Um uh, I like the colors. Uh, I think it look good on a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be a good one. How about you? I'm going to go, I'm a simple man, Rick. And I thought long and hard about this. And I'm going to go with the second panel on page one. It's just a picture of Bucky, you know, full body shot mm-hmm. of Bucky kind of running toward, uh, running toward the viewer. And I realized, like, there's not enough Bucky t-shirts out there. There's plenty of, like, Winter Soldier Bucky t-shirts, but not mm-hmm. enough pre-Winter Soldier Bucky shirts. And I'm like, I need a Bucky shirt. Uh, and I, if I want a Bucky shirt, this is what I'd want on a Bucky shirt. So I'm going to okay. go with that. Sounds good. Yeah. What's going in your time capsule? Rick, I, listen, there's so much. This 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 book is chock-a-block with, with history. And I'm, fasc- I'm fascinated by uh, the New Yorker, the New York Hotel, right? The New Yorker Hotel. Mm-hmm. That, that was a real hotel. And of course, Tesla did have rooms 3328 and 3327. He did die there. The maid did find him. He had lived, in, lived there for 10 years. And that was such a storied hotel, Rick. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, it was built uh, in- uh, Did you just 1930- call me a nudist? <laughs> I might have. I might have. Uh, it was built in uh, 1930. Tesla moved in, I think, in 1933. Of course, he died in, in 1943. He did keep pigeons there. In 1939, NBC had live broadcasting out of that hotel. The Brooklyn Dodgers uh, stayed there in 1941. Oh, my God, Series. Bob. I asked, what, what, what is it that you like I, about I, this? Going, I didn't ask for a history I love lesson. that. I love the hotel, man. I love those old-style hotels. We don't have those anymore, right? Where people just rent out, you know, famous people keep rooms uh, at the hotel. That's mm-hmm. their residence. I, I love that. That, you know, the third, that's just yells 30s and 40s to me. So what page, what panel, Bob? It's the New Yorker Hotel. So it's it's throughout the book, Rick. It's oh, a- that is such a, a cheap. <laughs> is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can say it's. You're going to put the entire pages. book in the in the in the time. Well, I'm going to say it's at least the first three pages because that's when they go into Tesla's room and they talk about the fact that they're at the New Yorker Hotel where Tesla. All right. Tesla All right. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. 
Maybe How about you? What do you got to put in cop out? But uh, I'm going to go with the, the page that uh, is devoted to Cap talking about Tesla. The whole page? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're trying to do there. Bob. Like a lot. I mean, you're not going to limit to a panel, but I mean, if you we've done pages page. before. Okay. I don't think we've ever, you know, we've done the different strokes for different folks, right? I actually, I take it back. I think at some point I might have said the whole book of something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm totally taking it back. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So there we go. We could check that off the mm -hmm. 2024 Captain America combo fans bucket list. Uh, something that's been there, I think, for a couple of years. Whew, so glad to get that one out of the way. Rick, would you be would you be interested in a little bit of trivia? Oh, you mean like we haven't already had some? <laughs> I, I find this fascinating. You may find this fascinating. I don't does it have know. anything to do with Barry Manilow? It does not. But did you know that when they found the boxes in Tesla's room, uh, they assigned it to Donald Trump's uncle? to investigate, to see if there was anything in that information in those boxes. And one of those boxes was alleged to include uh, information about a death ray. Um, John Trump, who was uh, Fred Trump, Donald Trump's father, was an MIT professor and also advised uh, the National Defense uh, like Advisory Committee. And he was given those boxes to, to look at for three days. And he came back and said, there's nothing in here. But basically receipts and you know some old technology but it's small like, world right there's nothing in here it's fake news <laughs> right yeah yeah so I, I thought that was interesting you know interesting yeah yeah, yeah it is interesting a little 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 trivia there a little trivia bob all right it's the end of the episode and i promised i would talk about the next two episodes very excited very excited Bob, are you reading uh, the current Captain America comic? I am. Rick. What do you yes. What do you think of the uh, of the story? It's been great so far. I I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's hit all the right notes, right? I mean, it goes back and forth, and back in the 1930s, late 1930s, the present time. It's got great art. It's got great storytelling, character development. What's not to like? Nothing's not to like. It is an amazing story and is written by none other than J. Michael Straczynski. We will have JMS on the show two episodes from now. Uh, in episode 178, uh, JMS joins the show and we're going to talk to him about not only his current Captain America series, but we're going to talk about his other Captain America work. Uh, he uh, he did uh, a miniseries called Bullet Points. Uh, which starred Steve Rogers in that. Um, you may remember it, and we covered it here in the comic. Uh, he w wrote about Captain America during the Civil War tie-ins in the Amazing Sp Spider-Man series. And, um, you know, there's that famous, famous speech, Bob, where uh, Captain America tells Peter Parker, you know, stand stand by the, uh, the tree and or stand by the river of truth and plant yourself like a tree and say no, you move, kind of something like that, yeah. right? Something like anyway. on the tree, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't bark here. Anyway, so <laughs> that uh, we I can't wait to talk to him about all these things. Um, so come back in two episodes for that. But to get you ready for that, Bob, we know that there's a few people out there who have not read the current series. Um, come back next episode. Because we are going to do the, the new style of recap where we 
We don't go through panel by panel. We don't act them out like we did today's episode. We're going to do uh, a recap of the first story arc that JMS did. Captain America 1 through 6. We're going to talk about it. And, uh, you know, and, and for those of you who do uh, read the series, uh, you're going to want to join this as well because we're going to take you through what we think are the highlights of some of the things that we feel really stand out. Um, maybe ask some, some questions that we might want to prep and get ready for JMS conversation. I, I'm so excited for these next two weeks, Bob. Yeah, those are really going to fun folks. You're not going to want to miss those. Absolutely. Okay, Bob. And I got to tell you, I, I really enjoy the fact that uh, you, you lended your voice to this episode and more than just a special effect here or there. So Thank you for doing that. We got to do that more often. Did you find it supple? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Word of the day, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck on bed. You know, you know what? I, I'm, no, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping this song gets stuck in people's heads. Earworm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. You have been listening to the Captain America comic book fans podcast. And don't forget to please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to the show. We really, truly do appreciate it. Until next week. Thanks for listening.